Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Music Therapy Show with Janice Lindstrom. I am your host, Janice Lindstrom. Today is Wednesday, July 29th, 2015. And we are going to be talking about Music Therapy 2025. Uh, this show airs uh, about twice a month, usually. And it's going to go back to Fridays starting next month. And uh, we talk about music therapy. And if you have any questions about music therapy, you can call in 646-652-2850 and uh, join us. Today, we're going to be talking about music therapy research 2025. And this was uh, the, something that was hosted by the American Music Therapy Association. Uh, they, it was July 16th through 18th this year, Improving Success in Quality, Music Therapy Research 2025. So this was a working symposium that was sponsored by AMTA to recommend guidance for future research in music therapy. The meeting was comprised of invited speakers and delegates, and interested music therapy professionals were invited to attend attendees and observers. And Dr. Megan Masco, who joins me for the Journal Club episodes, and Annette whitehead Plo, who I believe is Speaker of the of the Assembly. Is that right, Megan? It is. She is Madam Speaker okay. of the Assembly. That's what I thought. So the is kind of is like our music therapy House of Representatives. So there's, there's a member's of the assembly that do the business of the association um and it's the membership of the assembly is based on the total membership region of the and if you're interested in all that stuff why don't you uh contact me at heartbeatmusictherapy.net and i'll explain all those details or tell, tell you where you can get more information um so and annette is a finishing up work and going to be joining us shortly. So I'll start with Megan. Were you a, an, an interested music therapy professional? Um, I was what was known as a delegate at large. So I was there as somebody who is a professional music therapy researcher. Oh, okay. Oh, that's exciting. So tell us about and what you do normally and then we're going to get into um, the de details about the music therapy research 2025. Sure so I am the director of the music therapy program at the University of North Dakota and within that job obviously I have teaching responsibilities and advising responsibilities. I oversee the academic and clinical training programs at the University of North Dakota and then there's also a portion of my job that is specifically designated to conduct music therapy research. And the areas where I do research are in um, oncology, so cancer care, in palliative care, and then also end-of-life care. And palliative care and end-of-life care in my line of work often go together, but I do work with patients who are actively in treatment, medical treatment, who are in our palliative care unit for symptom management. Um, so, and those are the populations with whom I also do research. Okay, so you said that you were invited as a delegate. Uh, mm -hmm. So what did that mean? Um, you you said that really you were invited as a we delegate. Were, yeah, so there, each region was asked 
to um, select representatives to go to NPR 2025 on the region's behalf. So, oh. like, for the, for the Midwest region, our delegates were Jenny Driscoll from the University of Iowa and Liza Gassi from Colorado State. Um, so there were delegates from each of the regions, and then there were delegates at large who were people that were contacted by AMPA um, because we are, I think most of us were professional researchers. Um, and there was also a great collection. I'm not sure who was a delegate and who wasn't because, honestly, we really didn't use that terminology. It's not like we voted on anything. Right. So, <laughs> right. We, we weren't a legislative okay. body. We were more of a brainstorming body. Um, so I'm not really sure, you know, where the term delegate came from. Um, but I okay. do know that, but we were all sort of, we were all really there as equals. We had, you know, amazing clinicians like Annette whitehead Plough, you know, who is a full-time music therapy clinician. She's the speaker of the assembly. She does fabulous research and writing on things like social competence um, and her own clinical work with, you know, pediatric burn patients. Um, so we had people like that. We had people like me who were academics, who are professional researchers. Um, and we had people who are straight up clinicians, but who are very interested in doing research, um, and who are interested in partnering with researchers, you know, to carry out music therapy research. It was a really great, um, collaborative mix of people with different backgrounds and different interests from all over the world, actually. Cool. People, yeah, we actually had some people, God bless them, who flew all the way in from Australia. And so uh, Annette just joined us and she, oh, she also, so let me bring her on. Hello, Annette, we can hear you now. Hello. You can hear me? Yes, welcome. Oh, good. Hey, thank you. So we were trying to explain that you were at work and then yeah. joining us later, and that you were Speaker of the House, uh, then I think you heard the rest of that conversation. So yeah. jump in. Yeah, actually, in, I heard that you were asking about the delegates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so how it, it was organized was that, um, that there was an advisory committee that was appointed by the President, Amy Furman, who uh, helped to de design this. and. Um, and then uh, from that advisory committee, there was uh, there was funding for for people to come, and so we uh, 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 dispersed it and, and included uh, uh, representatives from each re region to come. And the regional president and boards uh, then appointed who was uh, you know asked whoever they felt was the best person to go from that region. And so those were the delegates that I believe that you're talking about. That is fascinating. Okay, so I just read the introduction that was uh, out by the American Music Therapy Association about this symposium, the invitation to everyone and the announcement about what it was. And it said that there were um, invited speakers and delegates and interested music therapy professionals. And so I had asked Megan which one she was, and that's where that discussion came from. Sure, sure. So, I didn't reason to attend that. Do you happen to know, just for my own curiosity, because I'm a part of the Southwestern region, do you know who the Southwestern region delegates were off the mm -hmm. top of your head? <laughs> no. If, if you I'm don't, sorry. that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I'm sorry, I'll find I don't out remember. Later. 
<laughs> I think I, that's I, all right. I, I, Christine, I think Christine Neugebauer was one of them. Okay. Oh, she, she yeah, she, but she was also a speaker, so I'm not sure if she was a delegate. I know I know my region's delegate. That's it. Sorry. Oh, that's understandable. We just hadn't had any communication about that, so I was curious. But that's fine. I will another time. Um, okay. So you ended in that because you were on the board of directors as speaker of the assembly. Is that correct? Or were you um, invited for a different purpose? I was part of the advisory committee who planned this. So it came about from the, the OTS who fund the Arthur Flagler Fultz Research Grant Award. They came to, a, to Andy and to AMTA and said that they wanted to fund research in, in a different way and uh, had a this uh, oh. amount of money to share with us. And so Andy was like, cool. Andy talked with uh, the leadership in AMTA and this is Andy Farbman. And, she, and um, we decided that like setting research agendas, looking at um, what do we know and what do we need to know and how is that influenced by market forces, like what clinicians are encountering, what's going on with legislation and policy and, uh, you know, what do we need to know for those sorts of actions and to bring all the people together to come up with the research agendas for the next 10 years to help to drive us forward in a way that we, you know, in a much more focused way that would um, help us to our field to move forward quickly. So uh, that's, so that was the idea. Um, do you want oh, me to go on cool. to how it went, happened? <laughs> I don't, oh, anyway, yeah, just boring, I don't want no, I don't find it boring, but I wanted to say that Barb Else is listening online and she put in the chat room that Dr. Lim was the Southwestern Region High and Lim of Oral Roberts University. And uh, she's yes, the Southwestern Region right. Delegate. Oh, and thank you, Barbara. Christine was a speaker on the Thank you, Barb. I know, she's very helpful. Barb, is, uh, Barb, okay. is, Barb uh, to, so the people on the advisory committee uh, were appointed by um, President Furman, and, and that was, um, let's see, Barb else actually uh, coordinated the whole effort. Um, Judy Simpson was invited to be a part of it as, as you know, a government relations chair or right. chair or whatever her title is. So she could talk about the policy and legislative stuff going on. Um, Alicia Clare was on it. Andy, or Tony Meadows, I'm sorry. Um, Deb Burns, Sherry Robb, uh, Yoka Brat, and I. And then, and Andy sat in uh, as a part of it as well. And then we had a uh, outside consultant come in who um, uh, who was uh, who's skilled in this sort of um, uh, uh, building research agendas. And so uh, we've been working together for maybe a year. Uh, last year we met in Baltimore and really hashed out how are we going to make this happen in a way that embraces all of the points of view of music therapy, all the different types of research and, uh, you know, helps us then to move forward in, in that this spirit of unity. And so uh, it was a really, it was a really cool thing to be a part of. Oh, nice. Yes. And Barb added that, I think you said Yoko Bratt was on the team and uh, yes. Linda Demlo was the outside yeah, yes. the and a yeah. former government. She yeah, fantastic. great. Yeah, I can see how that would be useful to have somebody who has built research agendas for other things. 
uh, organizations to be a part of this. So that's pretty neat that AMTA thought. To yeah, uh, and and so I I just uh, you know just for a moment I know Barb keeps popping in, but I'm not sure if ever all of your listeners know like what a resource Barb Elf is for our organization. She is a consultant oh, yes. through AMTA, and she is I can't ever speak highly enough of the work that she does. And the more I work with her, the more I'm in awe of what she can do and what she does for us in such a calm and quiet way that you that yeah, she never draws attention to the work that she's doing, but she does really incredible things. And I you know, just want to throw a shout out to her. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And thank you for saying that. Because I think that many people know. She does have been involved in uh, 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 some kind of natural disaster because she also manages that part too. But uh, she's, she's being uh, uh, hum- humble and saying it was a, a team effort and everyone contributed to that too. Oh yeah, it was really, I, I, you know, I wish everybody could have be, been there like a fly in the wall to hear the discussions because it was, uh, it was a really truly a dynamic team of people that, and the advisory committee and that, and I know that we have times that we disagree with each other, you know, within our field and there was really only the only point was that we wanted to bring everybody together and to make sure that everybody was heard and on board and and uh, you know because we know that together is the only way we can bring uh, you know to move forward in our field that if we aren't together we can't move forward and so that was uh, it was really so cool to be a part of that sorry don't have a better oh, adjective cool. so can you explain for us um, what happened at this event? So, so describe it for those of us who didn't get to go. What was it like and how was it set up and what, what did you experience? So the, the event started actually beforehand in that um, each of the speakers were, uh, wrote a white paper, which is a position paper. Which, uh, and uh, it was you know, put together in a book sort of thing. It was sent to everybody who attended to read beforehand, and uh, and then and I wish uh, let me pull up those emails, um, and then I can give you more of a outline on that. Unless if you have that in front of you, Megan. Um, I can get it very quickly. Oh, I I have the agenda right here. That'll tell me what's going on or what went on. So, uh, yeah, so, and it was really skillfully organized, again, to, uh, that, uh, you know, it's, it, that, uh, we started out with an uh, invited speaker who is, uh, um, named Pamela Hines, who's a nurse, uh, who, uh, is associate director of the Center for Translational Sciences and Children's Research Institute at, um, Children's National, and she, she um, was really fantastic setting the stage and talking about uh, the importance of improving research access and quality. And then from that, uh, Dr. Ra and Dr. Meadows talked about uh, research context and frameworks. And, and um, unfortunately, I was working that, that day and I wasn't able to arrive until after the speakers finished. So if you have questions about those, Megan would be the one to talk to. And I, then, I do believe that um, Dr. Meadows and Dr. Rob will be presenting their NCR 2025 um, pr- 
presentation. I think they actually will be presenting at national conference as part of the research committee presents. Yeah, mm -hmm. the information from this will be disseminated disseminated in many different ways. Um, I know that the that we're supposed the people that wrote the white papers need you know have an opportunity. I don't know if the de deadline's already passed yet, to, but to to uh, revise our papers a little bit and then um, AMTA is going to. I don't know if they're going to publish it like as a book, but it's going to be. I believe that it's going to be used for uh, for consumption for people to read, you know, and uh, and then okay. there's going to be an e-course that comes out about this. There's going to be, and definitely AMT is still sifting through all the information that came from this and uh, trying to put it together in a way that's really uh, you you know useful to all people and to and it will be available. Keep you know if they'll they'll be announcing. Uh, the you know, office staff will be announcing things through like Facebook and uh, e-news and stuff as to when the information is available. And then there'll be definitely sessions at conference about this. So. And again, Barb did an amazing job of coordinating all, everything was recorded. And now, you know, she in collaboration with a lot of other people are working on, as Annette said, you know, editing that, putting it in formats that will be useful to people so you don't have to watch, you know, 72 hours worth of video footage, um, but we did, but everything was recorded. Yeah, it was it was a really it was a really cool. Well, again, I say that, but it was really quite. It was so smoothly run, and it was, but it was also just, and because it was so smoothly run, we were able to really be there and be targeted in our focus of thinking about research, thinking about what people were saying, and then uh, then getting together in these small groups. So the second day was uh, we started talking about like overviewing research needs, and we first uh, talked. Barb talked about there's a survey that went out. I don't remember when, where uh, the members of the um, advisory board uh, interviewed different researchers and clinicians and internship directors about research, and so then we correlated that information. Barb did this and coded it and came up with the salient themes, and so she talked about the, that. And then um, Lori Gooding uh, uh, responded to that from the educator's perspective, and I spoke to the clinician's perspective from that. And then, um, okay, yeah, then Deb Burns and Ken Agan spoke about uh, research, their theories and methods and perspectives on that. And then we moved into talking about policies, where Judy Simpson spoke a great deal about that. And then we looked at the three main areas of research that where we the these are the you know and this came from the research advisory committee uh, that and with Judy definitely helping us to think about what's the most important areas right now and those are autism spectrum disorders Alzheimer's and related dementias and and um, acquired brain injury those are the areas that we're having a lot of growth and areas that we're we need to have more uh, research out there to to support the work that we're doing and so. Those are the three areas, and we had uh, different people. We had two people from different points of view, and uh, you know, maybe theoretical models of uh, practice to speak on each of those uh, populations. And so, and that was a re really interesting to see to hear the differences and similarities between them. And then from that, uh, after that, we talked about research capacity building, looking at like infrastructure and education and training, 
and then clinicians' perspectives on that. And then we broke into small groups where we sat and we were put into one of six groups. And one was about one was about research needs, and and then uh, one was about policy. One was about autism spectrum disorder. One about Alzheimer's and related dementias. Uh, another was about uh, um, acquired brain disorder, brain, brain injury. I'm sorry. And then there was capacity building, and is that it? I think that was it. And so, yeah, uh, capacity building yeah. was broken into two. There was one that was about oh, okay. infrastructure, and the other one was yeah. about education. Okay, that's it. And so then those then people were assigned to different groups. And so we went to those groups, and um, a member of the advisory committee uh, facilitated the discussion. And we sat for several hours and came up with, you uh, brainstormed and came up with the agendas for the next 10 years for those, you know, reading things, you know, coming up with where are the needs, where are the holes, you know, in policy, what do we need, you know, and looking at things from all different directions. And then we uh, went through, once we came up with the salient themes and we rated their, um, how soon do we need this done and how important is this? Which was very hard because we were like, in my group, we were like, it's a five. Everything's a five. Everything's really important. We need it yesterday. But, right. you know, so, but yeah, that was, and that was, that was, I don't know about your experience, Megan, but it was very fascinating to be, to actually facilitate such a discussion that was, you know, and was, so was I was in the, yeah, I was in the infrastructure group that was about, basically about money and people with my infrastructure group. Um, and it was so interesting because I was sitting at a table with people from completely different theoretical backgrounds from mine, with totally different clinical experiences, you know, who study completely different things than I do. But we were really able to work very well together um, to come up with, you know, suggestions for a vision for what the next 10 years of research should look like. So I think for me that was very heartening, um, you know, to be able to sit with people who were so different from me and and really be able to sit down and go, you know what, let's put all that theoretical stuff aside and let's focus on what's really important for the profession moving forward and and coming up with ideas that then could be accessible to all music therapists, you know, who want to engage in research regardless of what their theoretical orientation is. Because, again, there is no one right way to do music therapy. Um, there's no magic way to do it that's going to work for everybody. And so I think we, at least in my group, we were really mindful of that as we were talking about about infrastructure and really focused on coming up with um, suggestions that we felt could be applicable, you know, across the discipline. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mine as well. So, and and also, I think, uh, well, uh, it was my, it was you know, a lot of my, what I talked about, was the fact it was talking when I talked about the clinician's point of view because you know aside that aside from being a clinician I'm also a clinic, clinician researcher and that uh, that that is a really important role and that one that we need to continue to to foster and to grow not just clinicians being partners in in um, research designs that are coming from universities but there's a there's a group of us that are clinicians that aren't really affiliated with anybody. And we're affiliated with our institutions, and we're doing research within our populations, and you know, and and along with our clinical work. And it's a, 
it's a it's a tough dance, but it's you know it's really important work, and that we have, you know, we're I think we're like the connection between the research world and the clinical world, and a group of people that needs to be supported and and grown too. And that was something that definitely came up in my small group was how can we, again, mine was like the money and people group. And so my group, we talked a lot and we actually, we spoke at length about how can we not only support, you know, clinician researchers, um, but how can we sort of grow more of them? How can we help create more of them? How can we create opportunities for people to be clinician researchers? And how can we create meaningful opportunities for clinicians to engage in research, whether that's on their own within a facility or, you know, actively engaging with people in academic institutions. So it isn't just this, you know, I'm a person in an ivory tower and I have an idea and you're the clinician, so you're going to go do it for me so that I can have the Uh data. How can we actually be partners in this endeavor? Yeah, equal partners. I really see that that's a that's really forward because the clinicians are like, uh, you know, academians have like so much skills around research and information about it, and access to all the literature, which uh, uh, you know, clinicians don't always have that, like beyond music therapy literature right. and everything else. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, right. and the, but then clinicians like we're on the front line where we know what the populations need and where they. You know, we're the ones who are reading the research about this population, hopefully, and um, know right. where the holes are. Like I know exactly in my in my field in the field of burns what what is known and what is not known, and I know where I'm practicing in places that are unknown, and and um, and you know, and where we need to you know fix like the information that is known that isn't quite right. You know, I'm like these things I know. And so clinicians all over know that sort of stuff as well as we know what the market forces are. We know what our bosses and our funders are asking for in the outcomes. You know, we, and we have, you know, we just have all this information and we are a wonderful resource to research. And Janice, I don't know if you didn't see my paper, but I'm not sure if, um, if, if uh, Megan, said this to you, but I mentioned this show and, and how the two of you do uh, the um, Journal uh, Club. The Journal Club, yes, and how, because I was talking about how clinicians are, you know, you know, consumers of research and how we need to continue to do that more, that we need to like really consume it, not, you know, like to read it and to think about it, digest it and incorporate it into our work and that, and that you know, this is a wonderful grassroots Effort, you know, that you and Megan are doing to, to bring it forward. And I'm sorry I didn't mention you in the paper, Megan. Oh, that's all right. Janice's show. Well, thank you. Uh, I that so it'll maybe provide a deadline for me to actually read this pilot on my desk. Uh, Barb mentioned that one of the big themes was that of these discussions was growing clinicians as researchers. What were some of the other big themes that you thought came out of the recommendations? Um, I can tell you that money came up a lot of times. Money right. um, And I have to tell you, as somebody who, who works um, at trying to get federal dollars for music therapy research and who sort of sort of lives in that federal system of research funding, um, there are more pots of money for arts-based approaches um, 
in research. We used to have to compete against, like, mindfulness and yoga. It was always sort of complementary and integrative healthcare was this sort of y'all come thing. And so we had to compete against a lot of other disciplines and other um, modalities that were being researched. And now there are actual pots of money at the federal level that are specifically for, you know, art therapy, drama therapy, movement, um, dance, music therapy to be investigated. And that's very exciting. That's extremely exciting because now we don't have to, we still have to compete, but we don't have to compete against quite as many people. So money came up a lot because research is expensive. Quality research is extremely expensive. And teaching people how to be researchers, how to be quality researchers, is also extremely expensive. So money and education came up a lot. Um, I thought one of the most exciting things that Yoka talked a great deal about, um, both in her speaking, but also in, like, side conversations, which those are amazing, too. But uh, was was the idea of, like, that we need to have in most other, all other fields within the healthcare, in in universities, that they have faculty that are academic faculty who are teaching the courses, but they also have research faculty. And that, you know, so it's a faculty position at a university that, and their job is just to do the research and to, and to generate research. And so, and they're funded through, you know, they're paid by the university and they, you know, part of their work is also to bring in grants to fund the research and just to, you know, and, and that we need that in, within our, um, in our field, and that was a you know I think that shows that our field is growing up and uh, maturing, and 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 so we need to find ways to support that. And it's exciting because you know once upon a time Suzanne Hanser was the only music therapist who'd ever done a postdoctorate, who'd ever done yeah. any kind of postdoctoral training. Oh. and now I think now I think we're up to four. <laughs> So and, and and Joka talked about how she's encouraging her doctoral students to go out and do do postdocs and to, and and they're not just doing postdocs in music therapy like they're doing things like somebody she's working with is a dance movement therapist but uh, she's like she's going to I think Johns Hopkins or some some you know like a big you know Yoka is a right big, now yeah, fantastic space yeah and but uh, yeah there's there's uh, several uh, her students are also pursuing these things and. You know, and going to places that we might not have thought of early it, on, yeah. but now it's like we're very doing. exciting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it you know, and those opportunities again didn't used to exist. It was sort of like you know, you got a master's degree in music therapy and you were done, or you know, and then a few years later it was oh well, now now you get a PhD, not necessarily in music therapy, um, but you get a PhD and then you're done. And now I think we're really starting to come of age as a healthcare science. In that now we're looking around and going, you know what? We really do need postdoctorates. We need postdoctoral centers. We need um, training centers. We need, as you're saying, you know, we need research faculty, not just teaching faculty, which is it's exciting. We're growing up as a profession. That is exciting. We are at the end of our half hour already. So I just want to do a couple of wrap-up things. Um, Barb else mentioned that some other themes were moving research to practice, uh, developing models tied to sound theory, mm-hmm. and economies for areas of research, so much more. She's uh, 40, 
recommendations in total across the topic areas. So um, it's really exciting. So do you, briefly, if you can, let us know what are the outcomes of being, assuming it's push search agenda, and then we'll, we'll the association will work on funding for these areas and, and figuring out a timeline for the recommendations. I'm sure that's part of it. But uh, what would the outcomes be and when and where will we get more? Uh, well, we, we all, hopefully we all received a music therapy uh, e-news recently, and let me find that, mm -hmm. and it tells some, um, I, um, that I, I think that, that, that because there's so much information generated, I, I know that the AMTA office staff is working on this as well as working to prepare for the conference and, and everything else they always do. They, that's just a one busy group of people. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm just, I have to, it's, I don't have all my information pulled up for you. I know that it's going to be a big place where they share information and that they yeah. will use, we'd already mentioned that they were going to do some podcasts or, or sharing it in uh, uh, online courses and, and things like publication. Um, and I know that, uh, Therapy, which is the newsletter of the association, was published and can be found on the website at musictherapy.com. I'm sorry, musictherapy.org. Um, <laughs> is there? <laughs> yeah. yeah there, so there's. Oh. Yeah. So so I'm sure that it will be announced on Facebook and and Twitter, and I'm sure that it will be coming out in the e news and uh, and be announced also in uh, Music Therapy Matters. And so to definitely keep an eye out for those things and then, um, and then yeah, come to the conference in Kansas City and attend the sessions and, and come talk to the people who have been involved with it, you know, at your regional level. The, the people, the delegates should be reporting back to your regional board and there should be dissemination of information that way as well. And, you know, and always, like, you know, the, the board uh, of directors and and all the leadership of AMTA is here for everyone to be, you know, to, to, we're here to provide the information we can. And I'm sorry I don't have exact dates or anything yet, but that's just because there's, there's so much work to be done still. Right. It just wrapped up, what, uh, weeks ago. So, all right. Thank you, Annette and Megan, for being guests on my show today. I really appreciate you information. And uh, thank you also to Barb Els for information through the chat room. Um, my next episode is going to be Journal Club. So read the latest journal clubs because two back to back. And a focus thick one, which I don't remember which one it is. But uh, it's uh, volume number one for 2015 for um, Friday, August 14th. So join Megan and I for Journal Club on August 8th. If you have comments or questions to forward to my or that you have me, please contact me through my website, heartbeatmusictherapy.net. There's a contact page and those emails come directly to me. I don't have any other staff. There's no money involved in this show. I just do it for fun. So uh, just tell me and let me know what you think. Any questions?
segments. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show to explain what your experiences were. And uh, thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful week.